welcome to the Atlas Podcast, episode 88. My name is Emma Loggins, editor-in-chief at fanbolt.com. And I'm Matt Rodriguez, the owner-in-chief editor of shakefire.com. I'm Mike McKinney with last one to lead to theater.com and atlcw.tv. So we finally have some stuff to talk about this week, which is kind of exciting because I feel like January was a rough month for us all to get through. Um, it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the least amount of movies I've ever seen in a month. I only saw nine movies in January. Yeah. yeah I mean, there were like two weeks where we didn't have any screenings at all, which is rare. I don't think that's ever happened before. I don't think it's going to happen anymore this year either. Um, and, well, maybe in the holiday season, but yeah. um, we're we're pretty much geared up to go now for, yeah. for this movie year. Um, but we wanted to start off talking a little bit about the Super Bowl, which none of us were really that invested in, but we always like a good excuse to get together and have a couple of drinks and eat some food and um, watch trailers and watch trailers and commercials <laughs> and see just see how clean the clothes are exactly every, every commercial and I feel like Tide just won the Super Bowl like the winner of the Super Bowl was Tide Tide destroyed it because like <laughs> I so I watched I rewatched you know all the Tide's ads afterwards you know on YouTube and everything and like there were only like four of them. Yeah, and, like, I could have sworn like there were so many more tight ads, and that most of that's to do with because the fact like oh it plays for an ad plays for a second you're like oh that's a tight ad it's gonna be a tight ad yeah so, like it was just brilliant marketing by Tide like I agree yeah um, it was very well done it's uh hold on I'm pulling I'm pulling up my my uh this email that I got kind of talking through some of the, the popularity of the show, um, and, and who, uh, who did better on social media. Um, of course, this is us was trending afterwards, uh, after the Super Bowl. the selfie kid, hashtag selfie kid was trending. Um, oh my God. I saw so many like memes and <laughs> that poor kid. He had no idea what he was going to like yeah. get into Appar- that day. <laughs> Apparently his phone crashed and that's why it's like, so, he was so weird and awkward is he was kind of trying to get his phone back up and working. I feel like I can relate to that. Like it's, <laughs> it's those moments in which you need technology to work and like literally the entire world is looking at you and like yeah. for some reason, like it's frozen and it won't do anything. And it's just like the luck of the draw. Um, poor kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, let's see. Surprisingly unrelated to the Super Bowl, but um, in in the runnings of what was trending on during the Super Bowl was Kylie Jenner's baby, which was porn. Was it, was it really? Yeah, um, just like just under around a million mentions on Twitter during the Super Bowl was Kylie Jenner's baby. Um, that's, that's sad. One of the uh, the ads with the the greatest deal of negative buzz was the Dodge Ram ad that used uh, the words of Martin Luther King Jr. in it, in the sales pitch. Yeah. Um, have so you the, did you so have you guys actually listened to that whole speech before? Did you hear? Because that whole speech is about anti consumerism and like anti cars. Like Is it? Like, yeah. <laughs> it is it is such such a terrible part for the rant for Dodge. Because wow. that whole speech was saying about how like you shouldn't worry about like oh what other people have like what other cars people are driving like what they have in their garage and stuff like that and like oh it's it's just terrible wow yeah and and, you know um 
when uh, Selma, the movie Selma was being made, they couldn't use any of his speeches. The, the King uh, Center wouldn't let them use any of his speeches, but they were allowed to use it for a car ad, which I find just horribly wrong. Yeah, that's bizarre. Um, yeah. Well, but then um, you had, um, what was it? Who was it? A uh, Jeep who came out with their ad, which I thought was awesome because they were like, yeah, we're not going to do any of those flashy car thing- ads that have nothing to do with cars. We're just going to show a Jeep going up like a river. <laughs> and that's going to be the ad, which yeah. I thought was pretty good. I mean, I, I you, you don't need... I don't know. I just I feel like some of these car commercials, even the one in the very beginning, which was highlighting. I mean, Toyota does a lot more than than just make cars. But that first commercial that I saw for Toyota was even a little kind of bizarre because um, I didn't know that they did any of that other stuff. And maybe that was the point was to to say that they did more than just cars. But I just feel like so many car commercials are I don't know, not not done the way that I would like them to be done. Yeah. But um. That being said, I have uh, the Kia Stinger ad was uh, was pretty badass. And actually, it came in. There was a, um, a ranking of, I think it was 1 through 55, 55 commercials in total from the Super Bowl. And uh, the Kia Stinger ad came in at number 22. So, uh, and Tide, I think, dominated three of the spots in the top 10. And, yeah. of course, the Alexa ad coming in at, at number one. Yeah. Um, I would have put Tide over Alexa. I would have put Tide over Alexa, too. And you know what I found I, found interesting, though, about this is because of the whole Tide Pod challenge. Yeah. Um, I almost completely forgot about, like, all of the drama that is going on with the, the Tide Pod challenge and how just stupid kids are being with, with the Tide Pods. Um, so I think this was a good kind of way to, to yeah. overshadow that, maybe, and to, to get attention off of that. So maybe it's a good brand move on their part. Yeah. I mean, anything's a good move when you involve David Harborough. I agree. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to go wrong. Um, all righty. Well, enough about that. Let's, uh, let's and, and move on. And there was on. a football game also. <laughs> yeah, no one cares about yeah. that. That's, uh, <laughs> I'm just glad Tom Brady and the Patriots lost. So. I really wasn't paying attention to the game at all. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, we had we had some other cool stuff that happened this weekend um, that we want to talk about, including um, well, we'll get into it. My my favorite moment <laughs> ever with Matt happened this weekend. <laughs> my favorite moment ever. <laughs> um, so yeah, we I went, was there too. You were there. You witnessed the moment. Um, we uh, we attended SCAD's ATV Fest this uh, last weekend. It was their sixth annual event. Um, I've got a little bit of a. A description here um, on the event. I think we, we talked a little bit about it last week, but uh, SCAD ATV Fest is an international event where attendees discover the latest in design, creativity, and innovation in television and media production, join work sh- working professionals from all spheres of content production for exclusive panel discussions and workshops, um, talking about the latest trends in broadcast, cable, web, social media, and advertising with the best work showcased for review. Um, every year, SCAD ATV Fest attracts audiences of more than 6,000 attendees. Uh, past honorees include Connie Britton, uh, Jennifer Elman, Elfman, um, Aggie Harmon, 
Terrence Howard, Timothy Hutton, Jennifer Morrison, Christina Ritchie, and the list goes on and on and on. So um, anyway, we did that this weekend and that was pretty cool. Um, but let's let's talk about the moment because I feel like Matt needs to talk about the moment because this is really his moment. Sure, sure. So one of the honorees for this year's ATV Fest was Zach Braff. Um, everybody knows. I'm assuming everybody knows who Zach Braff is. They you know, should. JD and Scrubs, Garden State. He's a pretty big deal. He's a big, big deal. He's a pre- pretty big deal for me, too, because <laughs> in the 10 plus years I've been, I've been doing this job, I've always, you know, I don't get starstruck. I don't, you know, I, I try to stay professional when I interview celebrities and stuff. But I've always said, like, even from the beginning, I've always said, oh, if I ever interview Zach Braff, that's like that's my one moment. That's the one moment where I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for that selfie. I'm gonna basically geek out over talking to Zach Braff. And that happened at ATV Fest. Um he's there promoting his news series, Alex Inc. And so Em and I both got to in- interview him and it was just it was an amazing moment. And like I was so nervous, I was fumbling over my interview and so got to interview him and he is the coolest dude I've ever interviewed and like that's not just talking you know as big a fan I am just that's from you know interviewing all these people like you know they say never meet your your celebrity crushes or whatever yeah because they never live up to your expectations but like Zach Braff surpassed all my expectations I had of him (laughs) and it was just it was so amazing. Like it was seriously one of the one of my the best moments of my career. And it's yeah. That's yeah, well, not the moment that Emma <laughs> and Mike are referring to, not. <laughs> well, that that was that moment happened afterwards at the after party. Now, I, I will I will say this, being being I was in the room taking some pictures of both of their interviews, um, and they were both both Emma and Matt were absolutely giddy after doing that interview <laughs> and they kept talking about it for the rest of the night it would they would just for bring the rest it up of the about, weekend they wouldn't bring but they bring but that night you brought it up like once every 10 minutes um they were just <laughs> so excited about about interviewing him well he was he was just every bit as cool as i thought he well as i hoped that he would be it's one of those things where it's you know you kind of you almost identify him with his characters and it's um you know, you want him to be JD from Scrubs. I kind of, I kind of got that like before we even interview him because I saw because he laughed at somebody else was interviewing him and he laughed. I was like, that is exactly JD's laugh. <laughs> and so like it was that moment. I was like, okay, he is JD. It is one of those things, though. It's um, you know, we we interview so many people and we've been doing this for so long, and it's it's rare to get nervous, but I think when you interview someone who not only you really admire their acting, but they've also made some of your, you know, Garden State, I think is one of almost everyone I know's favorite movie. Like everyone has that on their list. And it's, um, it's you know, not only admiring him for his acting and the shows that he's been in that we've loved, but also for creating things like Garden State. Um, he's just such an immense talent. And um, being able to sit down with somebody that has that much experience and that much talent that you admire that much, like sometimes it's difficult to like 
get words out. And even in my interview, I was like not as eloquent with my my questions as I, I wanted to be, which you'll see because we're going to play my interview for, for you guys with um, Zach Braff and uh, Matt Tarsus of, of Alex Inc. And he, Matt is the um, EP on that show. Uh, without further ado, uh, here is my interview with Zach Braff and Matt Tarsus. I have to say, this is the pilot I've been most excited for. Yes. Like, we didn't let you down. <laughs> well, I haven't seen it oh, yet. Oh, you're going to see it tonight. I'm going to see it tonight. Okay. Like, I've literally been checking ABC Media slash July. Oh, good. And oh, that makes us so happy. Yet. Thank so, you. You're going to laugh. I promise. I hope so. <laughs> well, I'm excited to see it. Can you kind of give a, a brief description of the show and why people should watch it? Well, um... The show is uh, is about a guy who has a, a good job, a wife, and two kids, and he's 37 years old, and he knows absolutely nothing about starting a business, but he has this dream and passion to start a business. And so it's about someone who puts it all on the line to go after the American dream. Um, and he decides, because he's a, a, a radio guy, that he is going to do a podcast of the entire experience. And this is all inspired by a real story of uh, a guy named Alex Blumberg who did this. He documented every single moment of um, starting his own business. And some of the moments are excruciatingly awkward and humiliating, but he recorded everything. In some moments, him and his wife are having an argument. In some moments, he's pitching to an investor and it's going horribly, but he records everything. And it was so it, it was really riveting and and uh, and became a very popular podcast called Startup. And we just thought, wow, that would be a great family comedy if we could figure out how to how to tackle it. Cool. There was a second part to your question. I don't know if I answered. That no. was explaining the show. Yeah, why yeah. they should watch it. You did. Oh, why they should yeah. watch it. Watch it because it's really funny. <laughs> and uh, no, I mean. I would say if you were like the tone of Scrubs, it, it, it doesn't have like surreal fantasies, obviously, and it doesn't have as much physical comedy. But one, and Matt was one of the best writers on Scrubs, and I think one of the things we did together, we share a, a tone that we really like. So it's hopefully really, really funny, and but it, it has an underlying heart to it. So ideally, we break your heart by the end of the episode. For those that may not be familiar with the Gimlet Media Startup Podcast, uh, can you talk a little bit about how? that concept came to be in terms of um, where the show originated and how you guys discovered that podcast and, and that you journey? Go. Well, um, there's a producer named John Davis who who uh, is a big movie producer and he and Zach have, a, have been trying to make a movie for a long time that's not ever going to get made. Oh, <laughs> it's kind of true, but I keep trying. <laughs> but anyway, they, Zach came in to talk about that movie and John said, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that. But, <laughs> but I also, I have this great idea for you to go back. Uh, we bought this property, this podcast that you have to hear. It's going to be your return to television. Zach said, no, it's not. And then John said, just listen to it on the way home. And Zach did, and he fell in love with it. And then it all, it all worked out that, um, uh, that I also worked at the same company at Sony. And so, and Zach and I had worked together before on Scrubs and uh, had a really good relationship. What happened was when John said his deal was at Sony, so it would probably have to be a Sony writer. I said, I have the perfect Sony writer, my, one of my favorite writers. And they said, if you can get Matt Tarsus to write it, I'll do it. And then they did. So we both fell in love with that. <laughs> so we both fell in love with the pie. <laughs> Um, well, some of the research that you guys did for this, um, what advice would you give other podcasters that are starting out? 
other podcasters. Yeah. We don't know too much about podcasting, to be honest. We know a lot about Alex Plumberg. <laughs> um, so I don't know that we have good advice. Uh, Squarespace seems to be a really good advertiser. <laughs> Fair <laughs> <Yeah>. enough. <laughs> um, as you kind of like dove into this world of um, the, the startup space, was there anything that kind of surprised you about that whole startup scene? The, the, what appealed to me about the podcast and appeals to me about the show is you, you, it's so much more complicated than you imagine. And so much, and all these things happen that you have not anticipated. And you know it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. And it's five times harder than that. You know, So I think that's the the sort of universal thing about it is it's just a, it's, it's this thing that you have, you're compelled to do. You have this great idea to make this thing that's going to be your own. And then, you know, they come at you every, from all over the place and it from gets all sides and it gets, and it gets, uh, and, and you can either, and you can see how you can fail. And also you can, I think another, um, analog is that you're complete putting everything that is you on the line. You're saying like, look, this is, this isn't just my best effort. This is everything that I could possibly put into this. Every single ounce of my soul is, is into this. And I'm sure everyone that starts a company does the same thing. Um, and so I think you, you, you put yourself out there and go, okay, I hope the world likes it. You know, this is me. Exactly. It's like your baby. Yeah. Yeah. Like fan, like fan, like fan, like fan, fan bolt. Yeah. And that was our interview. Um, I, you know, during the during the podcast, I mentioned to to Zach that um, you know we were going to be using this audio for our podcast, and he's given us an amazing plug for our <laughs> for our podcast that is now going to close out every single one of our podcasts. Uh, so stay tuned; you'll you'll hear that at the the end of the episode. So, um, so we have to talk about the moment. The moment. Okay. Well, the moment that we were talking about, that was our favorite moment with Matt. Um, we were at the after party, which was uh, Scad rented out the the entire restaurant of Lore here in Atlanta for the, the, the big party on Friday night. And we're standing there and it's there's so many people in there. It's it's ridiculously packed. And I see Zach Braff like about to walk behind Um about to walk behind Matt and like I, I make like a, a signal but I don't think Matt fully understands what I'm like saying and then Matt turns and he no, kind of like I, I didn't <laughs> even see your signal you didn't I don't know <laughs> well he like he starts to walk behind Matt and then then Matt realizes who it is and Matt makes the most amazing noise I've ever heard <laughs> it was a squee it was a squee he's like oh there he is <laughs> And it was just the most, oh my God, I wish that we had been recording it because it was just, it was a magical moment. Yeah. And this was even after we had interviewed and stuff and talked to him. And yeah. So like, yeah. It was, it was an amazing night. It was an amazing night. Um, and now, that was such a great opportunity. You guys were, were mainly doing interviews. You also got there a lot later uh, to the event than I did. So I actually... Um, on Friday, spent uh, six and a half hours in one screening room, uh, one one stage room, um, and did a whole bunch of. I did, literally did, I think, six different panels. Um, I did a panel uh, for the CBS online show No Activity, um, and then uh, the NBC show that just premiered this week, AP Bio. And then the one I really enjoyed was uh, Ash versus Evil Dead. They had almost the whole cast. Um, didn't have Lee Majors, but everybody else was there. And uh, Bruce Campbell is just an hilarious guy. 
they actually there was a a guy that claimed he was a Wiccan and he gave Bruce Campbell a ring that supposedly can um, um, uh, do an exorcist exorcism. So it was a little strange. Um, and then, of course, <laughs> we also then saw we went to the Alex Inc. Uh, panel where we saw the first two episodes of the series and then they did a Q&A with the two people that you guys interviewed. Um, so that was that was my day on that Saturday and on, on Friday. And then also on Saturday, I went to um, a bunch of other ones. Um, I went and uh, saw Final Space, which was a new animated series that's going to be on TBS. That's a not for kids. It's a rather funny um funny uh, 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 series about a guy that's been uh, sentenced to solitary confinement in space. He's got an annoying um, ship robot that he just hates. He's very, very lonely. And he encounters an alien, this little cute little kind of pod looking alien. And it turns out that alien is wanted by this extremely bad guy. And so it's a cat and mouse chase. Um, it's very, very funny. Um, and then uh, I saw the panel for Dynasty. They had uh, uh, the costume designer and they had some of the actors, including uh, Grant Show. And then um, the Black Lightning panel, which was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, they had they literally had the whole cast. And the, the cool thing was at the end of the Black Lightning uh, panel, in the episode that aired uh, this this past week, there was a guy, a local actor that played a drug dealer. And he's, he had a couple of major scenes. He had some pretty big lines. Um, and they go, okay, we need, we're going to do one last question. And this actor jumped up and the cast all recognized him and they brought him up on stage. And actually the cast interviewed him for a couple of questions. So that was a really cool moment. That's awesome. And we're going to have uh, some of those interviews next week from Black Lightning with uh, Nafisa Williams and Christine Adams. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. If you um, want to see what, what the event looked like, I have a photo gallery on the ATLCW.TV website. Just go to photo galleries and uh, it's under ATV Fest 2018. And I have... Uh, I have a gallery up too. It doesn't. Uh, it's it's more of just kind of a teaser of the the coverage that we have coming from it. But it's got a lot of the uh, the press room stuff and repeat shots and stuff like that as well. So um, you can check it out on those two sites and kind of see what it what it looked like. And I look forward to the seventh annual SCAD ATV yeah. Fest. It's always such a it's such a small and intimate festival, um, and it gives media a really great opportunity to. Uh, get interviews I don't feel otherwise we would get as much time with or as much access with or we would be in a a round table interview and not a one-on-one interview um, kind of thing so um, that's the thing I thought was amazing was just the media access and being being able to have these like one-on-ones or one-on-twos basically it's just your media outlet alone with big name people like Zach Braff. Um, I also did interviews for AP Bio with Patton Oswald and Glenn Howerton. So um, look to Shakefire for those in the upcoming weeks. 
And we'll also have um, in March, I don't have the date in front of me, um, CBS's Instinct with Alan Cumming and Naveen Andrews um, is we're under embargo on that until the, the series gets a little bit closer to coming out. But we did interviews with them as well, which actually were roundtable interviews because they had a, a lot of press in there wanting to do yeah. that, probably because Naveen Andrews lost. I feel like everyone wanted to chat with him. And then, of course, Alan Cumming is Alan Cumming. So um, yeah. it's a... Uh, those will be some interviews that we have coming up a little bit closer to that series premiere date. But that was our experience at this year's yeah. uh, ATV Fest. It was pretty I mean, awesome. I can't help but feel like next year is going to, like, there's no topping this year for me, at least, because because of the whole Zach Braff thing. This is the top so, moment of your career. It's all downhill yeah. from here. <laughs> Unless it's like a Scrubs reunion. Yeah. That yep. would top it. I feel like, it. I mean, that could happen in a- it could happen. ATV. I mean, ATV does more more current stuff. I feel like if that's going to yeah. happen, it's still an ATX, um, Austin Television Experience or like, event. Or like if they actually do like a Scrubs reunion. Because you know how like they... That's been, true. With a lot of series, you know, Netflix has been like, you know, with Gilmore Girls and Twin Peaks coming back. Like it's possible they could bring it back for like a new shortened season. They could. I could totally I kinda, see Netflix I wanted to ask that. Zach Braff about that, about that possibility, but I was just too tripped up with <laughs> we didn't have enough time with Zach. We only had yeah. like four four minutes with him, but uh, so we could have spent all all day with him, oh, yeah. all evening with him. Um, we we kind of almost did stalking wise. <laughs> <laughs> we were at the same party for the whole night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so move moving along, we'll we'll head into our uh, our box office report. You guys will never guess what the number one movie at the box office was. Oh, we already know. <laughs> Jumanji yet again Good for Lord, that... <laughs> for another week. I, it's it's been out for seven weeks now. Um, in number one with ten point nine million, followed by Maze Runner in second with ten point four million. Um, Winchester in at third with 9.3 million. Greatest Showman still hanging in there strong with 7.6 million. And The Post rounding out the top five with 5.2 million. Um, and of course, we had we had a couple other ones come out. Oh, no, we didn't. We didn't have any other ones come out nope. last week. I was th- that was just Winchester was the only one that That's, came out. That was it. Yep. All right. Um, it's going to be different this this week. Um, we're going to review two two new films that are coming out, including the uh, the the infamous Fifty Shades Freed, the the last film in the Fifty Shades of Grey series, and then of course um, Peter Rabbit. So, I want to hear your um, predictions for where those two are going to fall. It's going to be weekend. Fifty Shades. It's definitely going to be Fifty Shades is going to be in yeah, first. That's easy. I don't think Peter Rabbit's going to do too well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Jumanji beats it out. I think Jumanji will be in Jumanji, second. <laughs> Jumanji is, I don't, Jumanji is ridiculous. Like, it's getting close to a billion dollars. I would have never thought Jumanji would be a billion dollar franchise. I mean, they've already tapped for Jumanji 2 and 3, I believe. They're yeah. already getting writers and stuff. So, like, man, The Rock is going to be getting paid. He's, I mean, he does great like he's in already, every film that he's in. He makes bank. Like, he's yeah. such a strong name. And I, I honestly feel like part of this is just when that when this movie was released. Yeah. Like, this was really smart timing on Sony for, for when to release this movie. Because if they did it any other time of the year, 
Like, there's been nothing that has hit the theater in the last month that's been worth going to see. So this is... Yeah. That's why it's done so well. And if they can manage to do that with the sequels, they'll see the same results. Oh, I'm sure. Like, I think... They've already announced that basically the second Jumanji is based, is going to directly compete with Star Wars. All right. Which is ridiculous. But, I mean, it quickly overtook Star Wars for the number one spot, even though it came out later. Yeah. Well, I feel like most of the people that are going to go see Star Wars are going to go see it in the first week or at least yeah. in the first two weeks. They're not going to still be trailing in at three, four, much less week seven. Um, so it's... God, it's just crazy. It's still in first. All right. Um, so I'll give you a prediction here. Let's do it. <clears throat> so I think Fifty Shades Freed is going to do between 35 and 40. Um, obviously, okay. it's going to be much less than the other two, just because I think the, the, the demand is way, way down. The books are no longer the, you know, they're no longer on the bestseller list. And, and uh, so, but I still think it'll be number one. I'm thinking that. Um, Peter Rabbit is going to do pretty well, um, like around 15, 16 and come in number two. And then we've got the Clint Eastwood film, the 15, 17 to Paris, um, which we, they did not screen for us. In fact, they're not even doing a Thursday night screening. They didn't even do a Thursday night screening. So critics can't see it. Although I have talked to a couple of critics that did get a screening somehow. And the biggest problem is that, Eastwood, who, of course, is very patriotic, decided to this is based on a true story of the three soldiers that were on the train in France that stopped the terrorist attack. And he cast the three soldiers to play themselves. And from everything I hear, um, this just doesn't work. But I think it'll come in third. I think Jumanji finally will will be out of some legs and come in fourth. They're still going to do probably eight to nine million. Um, but I but I think it's going to be in that order. Fifty Shades Free beating everybody by a big number. Peter Rabbit, two, uh, 15, 17 to Paris, three, and Jumanji, four. And then, of course, The Greatest Showman, which seems to just stay at number four, number five every week, will be there again. It was um, actually, I mean, the, the sequel to Fifty Shades of Grey, I'm spacing on what the last one was called. Number two, I'm not seeing on here. But the first Fifty Shades of Grey came out in 2015 and was the number one um, film at the uh, the box office for the month of February for 2015. Wasn't so, it Fifty Shades Darker? Fifty Shades Darker, that's what it was. Um, I don't think that one obviously did as well. Was that 2016 or 17? I don't know. I've never seen any of them. So, <laughs> well, Deadpool won our hearts in 2016, and that was the top it film did. in February. And of course, last year was Get Out, which was just such an incredible film, and still a shock that it came out in February. Speaking but, of, so Deadpool two, they're, they're, they've put out a new poster, which is amazing, and they've done a good trailer. They've done a trailer, and yeah. they've, <laughs> they've done some other really cool stuff. I went, so I'm. Uh, I was writing my uh, last one to leave reviews and I always tell what movie I'm looking forward to. So I went to the Deadpool sequel uh, summary plot in IMDb. So this is what's in the IMDb summary plot. After surviving a near fatal bovine attack, a disfigured cafeteria chef, Wade Wilson, 
struggles to fulfill <laughs> his dream of becoming Mayberry's hottest bartender while also learning to cope with his lost sense of taste. Searching to regain his spice for life as well as a flux capacitor, Wade must battle ninjas, the Yakuza, and a pack of sexually aggressive canines as he journeys around the world to discover the importance of family, friendship, and flavor, finding a new taste for adventure, and earning the coveted coffee mug title of World's Best Lover. Yep. Oh, Ryan Reynolds. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think the official title is actually Untitled Deadpool Sequel. I think that's what the actual title is. Like, that's what it's going to be released as. He's, <laughs> like, he's having... The marketing for this is just absolutely ridiculous and amazing. It is amazing. And I feel like there's going to be no project in the rest of Ryan Reynolds' future that will be as fun for him as these Deadpool movies are. Like, it's yeah. just, it's so amazing to watch. It's, uh, I cannot wait. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into our film reviews for this week. Let's, do, do let's we save to? the... Save the best for last. <laughs> um, let's start with Peter Rabbit. Um, we didn't well, think, see this think, one. Matt's the only Pe- one that saw it. <laughs> I think Peter Rabbit is the best for last. Just judging, just going off the general vibe of I, Fifty Shades or Peter Rabbit. But what's going to be the best is I'm going to have Mike introduce Fifty Shades of Grey. And I think that that and his description of the film will be the best point of, yeah. of our review section. So That is very true. Um, but so, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about Peter Rabbit? Yeah. So Peter Rabbit, you know, it's animated, live action animated crossover um, based on the, the novels by Beatrix Potter. Um, basically it's Peter Rabbit. He has been feuding with, uh, Mr. McGregor and getting into his garden, stealing his vegetables. Well, Mr. McGregor dies and his, uh, long lost, basically, um, nephew, Thomas McGregor, who's played by Dom Hall Gleason, moves from the city to the countryside because he inherits his house. And so Peter Rabbit and his... You know, his um, sisters, Cotton, Flopsy, and Mopsy, they basically have, there's a new new guy in town, so, and he turns out to be almost as bad as Mr. McGregor. And so it's basically this whole feud between the new Mr. McGregor and Peter Rabbit. Meanwhile, Rose Byrne plays B, who is this animal lover. She's the neighbor of Mr. McGregor. And so her and Peter Rabbit get along well. But um, when Thomas moves in, you know, it's a new guy in town and they kind of spark up a romance. And so Peter Rabbit is like, hey, you're kind of interfering with this. And so, yeah, it's this whole crazy dynamic that's going on. Cool. Um, well, were you bored at all during during this one? You surprisingly enjoyed this from, I, from yeah, your reaction. First, the trailers for this movie do not do it justice. The trailers are pretty terrible. Um, I was actually really surprised at how much I enjoyed the movie. Um, there's a lot of humor to it. Um, a lot of dark humor. Like, it shows Mr. McGregor dying and everything, which is kind of... It's, it's weird. It's this weird, dark humor, which, like, if you've ever read, you know, the classic... The, the novels, the little books that they're based on, they're, they're, they can get pretty dark at times. And so like it kind of follows in that same suit. 
and so there are a lot of laughs. I will say the music is my biggest was the biggest thing I was disappointed in. It's it's weird. It feels weird. Like it's this awkward updated pop songs that they kind of switch around to make it fit with Peter Rabbit. So like um one of the songs is Remember the Name, which came out like I don't even remember when the movie when the song came out, but it was from Fort Minor with the the Lincoln Park people. And like they switched out the words to make it more rabbity, you know. And it's just <laughs> it's so weird. Like a lot of the songs feel dated too. Like it's a lot of old pop songs. And it's just like the animals sing them. Like there's this ongoing joke where the animals will sing where the there's the I think four birds that sing a lot of the songs and it's just it's weird and it doesn't fit so so yeah but i mean i wasn't i was i enjoyed it i was pretty i wasn't too bored you weren't rolling your eyes other than at the music uh there's 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 a lot more eye rolling all Um, right fair enough (laughs) yeah um there's a lot of repetitive jokes too i felt like, um, if you've seen the trailers where Dom Hall Gleason's character, where Mr. McGregor, he gets electrocuted by the doorknob kind of thing and, like, flies back, like, they do that a bunch of times. And so, like, it gets it gets old pretty quickly, and so, like, you're rolling your eyes, like, okay, once, twice, that was kind of funny. By the third or fourth time, you're like, okay, we get Let's it. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. And so... Um, well, was there any um, any performances that stood out as particularly good or bad to you? I, I enjoy Dom Hall Gleason as it, you know, he's, I've enjoyed him in pretty much everything he's done. So, and like he, he really goes with it when this movie, because like, you know, he's, he's coming from London, he's coming from the city, he works in a toy shop. Like his dream is to open up his toy shop. He gets fired from the toy shop. And so like, he wants to sell the house for a lot of money, buy his own to- toy shop across the street from the old toy shop and watch them basically burn. Like, that's the kind of dark humor in this movie. And, like, he's saying all this with a smile, like he's not crazy. And so, right. like, I don't know. He he basically, he went with everything in this movie. And so, like, I found him to be enjoyable. Cool. Um, well, obviously, no Atlanta recognition factor here, as many of the live yeah. scenes were actually filmed in Australia, which, fun fact, in the late 1800s, the country was overrun with rabbits, and um, now you cannot bring live rabbits into the country unless, uh, I guess there's very few exceptions to that, but uh, they're considered a pest in Australia. Aww. I know. They're just so cute. How can they be pests? Yeah. Um, but on the, the Atlas scale of one to five, one being horrific and five being <laughs> Get Out or Star Wars or some other amazing movie you've seen, <laughs> where does Peter Rabbit fall? I'm, I'm giving it a four. You know, I was pleasantly surprised by this. I, I really enjoyed it. You know, it's, I think kids will get a kick out of it, and I think parents will like it too. So, you know, don't, don't judge a, a movie by its trailers. Fair enough. Um, well, on that note, a movie you should judge by its trailers and definitely won't be getting a four in this week's review. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's hop into our review of uh, Fifty Shades Freed, uh, the third installment in the 
Fifty Shades of Grey um, saga, which, if you haven't heard, is Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, of course, was a, a book series that was originally written as Twilight fan fiction. So that gives you a good basis for um, w- what the films are. I mean, you, everyone's no, seen the... <clears throat> that doesn't make any sense at all. That totally makes sense. Well, you didn't. You don't. You don't get Twilight fan fiction from this. I don't. Don't see it at all. Don't see it at all. It's, that's because it's because you. That's because you came into this one blind, right, Mike? You didn't you see the first, the first two movies. I didn't see the first two, but I knew enough about them. I mean, it's the only way you can avoid know. these books and the movies. You don't get the little intricate details well, that the first two set up. Yeah, I've I've been actually <laughs> I've been briefed by on on a lot of what. Um, I had questions on uh, last night. I, I went with uh, somebody, our friend Danielle, who has read all the books and also saw all the movies. And so on the uh, drive home, she gave me uh, background on everything. So Well, it's it's not the, the lead guy is obviously not a vampire. So that part of it is not Twilight fan fiction. But it is. I mean, it's it's similar types of people, a guy that is, you know, experienced and powerful and all this life experience and this girl who's innocent and doesn't really know anything that's going on. And, um, you know, it's similar character types, even though it's not in this world of fantasy. Um, that I know, being said, a tor- tortured <laughs> man who gets saved by the innocent girl. Yeah, it's basically what all young adult like you know, stories that are really successful and turned into TV shows and films. It's based off of this concept um, for the, for the young adult audience, but any, let's not digress. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Let's uh, uh, Mike, why don't you uh, set up what 50 shades freed uh, was about? Um, it's about a lot of traveling. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was disappointing. <laughs> No, what? It's, it's, Give us the saucy details. Like, uh, you need to do like a deep and sexy voice. Yeah. <laughs> so Anastasia and Christian get married. Um, they go off on a honeymoon uh, to France. And but <clears throat> uh, Christian's company is attacked. Um, somebody plants a bomb in a server room and steals a whole bunch of files on his personal life. Um, they have an uh, inkling that is their old nemesis, Jack Hyde. Um, so they come back and basically it's Anastasia and Christian getting used to being married um, and a whole lot of traveling and a whole lot of sex scenes. I will say this movie is almost one big Audi ad. Like the the car is such a huge part of this movie. Yeah, there's a, there's, um. actually, there's actually a couple of car chases, which is kind of surprising, um, because uh, they Christian sets up to where they have security detail because of the fact that he's worried about Anastasia and worried about Jack Hyde reappearing into their lives. And so there's a lot of, there's a couple of car chases and a couple of uh, things that I didn't expect in a Fifty Shades movie, but mostly it's about the sex. Is there a hide and seek joke? Please tell me there is. <laughs> there's not. There's not. Um. <laughs> this, 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 this film doesn't have a lot of humor in it. Um, and it's usually it's usually uh, Dakota Johnson's character that is doing the jokes because Christian is pretty dry. Um, he's got he he's 
I don't know. I didn't having not seen the first having not seen the first two. (laughs) I didn't understand what the attraction was to him, other than the fact that he has abs. Sometimes that's all it takes. Because he's a jerk to her a great deal of the film. I mean, he pouts. um, He uh, is controlling, and now she fights back a lot and and does stuff. But it's just it's just a weird relationship. And I and I realized that a lot of the relationship is based on the sex and all the stuff that they do with you know when they're having sex. It's it, there's a couple of places in this film where literally you have like a minute between sex scenes, and it's just it's kind of weird. And it's what else is weird? I mean, I feel like with movies like this, much like you know, like the Magic Mike films, you know, girls that are going to see this with their girlfriends are going to see these scenes that you know they're they're hoping are going to be explicit. And what's funny about this is it's just they're all so short. Like all of the sex scenes are really short, but then it's also a really short period of time between the really short sex scenes. So it's just it's a weird. I don't know. It was a, a weird structure for for a film. But um, let's let's dive into the official review because I I just I love I love talking to Mike about this movie because it's just hysterical. Um, <laughs> Mike, how bored were you during this film? <laughs> I was so bored. I mean, I, 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 it was it was um, I was amazed at how unsexy this movie is. It's and you know Dakota takes off her top at literally looks for looks for moments to take off her top. But it's just, an, it, I didn't find it, I, I did not find the sex scenes sexy at all. I mean, I just thought yeah. they were uh, bland. I did there, There's no chemistry between these two actors. Absolutely none. And we're supposed didn't to. Didn't they hate each other during the first movie? Like, Yeah, that's what I remember reading. And I, yeah. and I thought like both of them were like, yeah, I'm not coming back for like the second or the third. And then they threw a lot of money at him. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, of course, uh, Jamie, Jamie Doran is married in real life. And uh, I, I don't know what kind of, you know, how is I'm sure there's articles out there that talks about how his wife feels about this. But I do feel like in the first film, there's a little bit more chemistry between the two of them than there was in this one. And I didn't see the second one. So I don't know how that compared. But you're right. Like, I mean, the sex scenes in this aren't sexy because the chemistry just isn't there anymore. And I don't know if it's, you know, their, their dislike for each other, their acting or, or what it is, but you just don't feel it between them at all. Yeah. Well, I think you get, you get the sense that it's two actors doing a sex scene instead of two passionate people that are really into each other. Yeah. And no, exactly. Um, well, on on the the eye rolling scale, I imagine it's pretty high. Um, where would you where would you rate this one? How much were you rolling your eyes? I was rolling my eyes from the very start. I mean, she says a line you know, when they're on their honeymoon of it's along the lines of "booby of McBoomland." <laughs> yeah, on the beach, she does. Yeah. She calls it booby boob land or something. No, it's booby. Wow. I wrote it down. It's booby of booby land, and I'm just like, really? That that's part of the dialogue of this. This is, I mean, so right from the start, uh, you know, it was, it was eye rolling a lot. Um, so, and it, I mean, this this plot is just. I mean, if you took out all the sex in this film, it would literally be a 20-minute movie, and most of it would be 
hey, look, these are rich people and they get to stay in nice places. <laughs> Do we actually know what he does? Is yeah, ever- he's... Oh, we were talking about this last night. Um, he he owns a company, Gray Enterprises, and um, I should I I don't know what they do, but they do things that are like respectable, like socially responsible. I think. Yeah, because at one point they did talk about some something that they were doing in Europe, and it was eco friendly, and I don't remember exactly what it was because I didn't really care. <laughs> oh, there's the, there's this article. What is Christian Gray's job in Fifty Shades of Gray? Um, he's uh, da, 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 eighth on a list of fifteen for t- Forbes listed Christian Gray as a top earning fictional character. He landed eight on a list of four, fifteen and is worth about two point two billion dollars um, on this fictional list. He earns approximately $100,000 per hour, um, runs a company called Gray Enterprises, um, which actually has its own website and everything if you look it up. So it actually looks legit. Um, you can even apply for an internship program there, apparently. Um, Shell company. <laughs> the, uh, the company provides itself on, quote unquote, transforming what is possible and is a global leader in communications technologies or communication technologies, eco manufacturing and next generation farming solutions. Solutions. So there you go. There's the description. I love that Forbes has a top 15 list of like fictional earning characters. Who's <laughs> number one in that list? Um, let's see. You have any so guesses? Like, uh, Monty Burns, maybe from The Simpsons. Let's see. That would be that'd be pretty good. Oh my god, I'm getting stuck on Forbes's like continue to site ad screen. Why is it not letting me click through? Because All right, here we go. Number eight. You. Richie Rich is number seven. Tywin Lannister was number nine. Uh, number six is Bruce Wayne. I'm having to uh, physically go through all of these. So. Oh, is it one of those terrible slideshows yeah. where each slide is its own webpage? Yeah. I hate those. I hate that, too. Uh, number four is Tony Stark. Number three is Carlisle Cullen from, um, from uh, Twilight. Oh. Smog is number two. It's... Smog. Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge Scrooge. McDuck worth $65.4 billion in the fictional world. That's Um, still not as much as Bill Gates. No. Uh, That's that's pretty funny that they did that. All right. Let's uh, let's get back on topic here. Um, (laughs) I think what we're talking about is a lot better than Fifty Shades. That's fair. It's a lot more entertaining. Uh, Best and worst actor. I, Mike's going to say everyone was the worst actor in this, I feel like. I'm going to say, I'm going to, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so hard to pick. <laughs> I mean, because these, like I said, it, it feels like two actors doing sex scenes, which is most of what this movie is. Um, I, my worst moment is the moment when, when, uh, when uh, Christian is singing Maybe I'm Amazed and his friends and his wife and his his uh, his uh, brother are all just like, oh, I can't believe he's so wonderful. I've never heard him sing. He's it's just, it was just so singing, and it goes on forever. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, there's nothing that sticks out and good in this because the whole movie is just so bad. Um, 
Well, obviously no Atlanta recognition factor here as it was not filmed here. Um, it's set in Seattle. I'm assuming that's where it filmed. I'm looking for filming locations right now and I'm not seeing them. Um, but definitely not filmed here in Atlanta. Uh, there are some stuff, there is some stuff uh, in, I guess, the, the south of France and in Paris too. Uh, but on, a, on the official Atlas scale, uh, where does this one... Where does this one fall for you, Mike? One to, one to five. Does the does the Atlas scale go low enough? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it do, it doesn't go low enough. I mean, I, so this scale of Rock Dog to five. Yeah, it, it's it is a just barely above Rock Dog for me, just barely. <laughs> but it, but it is right now the leading candidate to make my bottom ten list. Because this, this was just a bad movie um, that was a horrible plot line, had just laughable dialogue and unsexy sex scenes. Yeah, it's uh, well, it, and what I will say is, again, I didn't I didn't read the books and I only saw the first film, but the first film ends in such a way um, that you don't really see how she can go back to him like she basically leaves and things are not on good terms and i i think also how how that moment was created in the first one it's hard for me to then get back into these characters even if they did have chemistry i would still feel weird about it because of how the first film ended but um so i just i can't like it i'm gonna give it a one on on my scale it's i do think it's probably what you know diehard fans of the books will want to see um, I think I, I I don't know for sure, but it's it's just not it's not a good movie. Don't don't go don't go see it. Um, <laughs> Do they and, leave it open for a sequel? Uh, I mean, there's not going to be a sequel. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, um, that it, being... it, it really it, it um it ends on a happy note. It's like it's like um uh. uh almost like a Hallmark movie where everything turns out great and the bad Spoiler guys are, alert, Mike. are dealt yeah. with and <laughs> there's married, another marriage is going to happen and um, a bunch of other stuff. So I will say if you're a fan of architecture, this movie is, <laughs> has some really beautiful buildings in it. Um, the apartment is insane. And fun fact for you guys, some of the filming was actually done at Sarah McLaughlin's Canadian home. So I don't know if that was the, uh, they purchased this house at one point that they're going to like redo and like. Um, or is it the, the, or is it the other house where they're up in the mountains? Oh, it could be that one, the one when they're in like Colorado or Utah or whatever the vacation home was. Yep. Yeah, I'm not sure which one it was, but uh, one one of those was Sarah McLaughlin's home, so that's kind of kind of funny. Yeah, it's a bad movie. Um, let's <laughs> let's let's be real, but I don't think anyone was expecting it to not be a bad movie. Yeah. So. Hence why I did not go and see it. But you know what? Like, kudos to to Mike for for going to see movies that he knows are going to be horrible, like this and My Little Pony. I got to give him credit for it. Well, my, my one of my taglines is "I see bad movies, so you don't have to." <laughs> there you go. Um, 
That being said, we're going to have some really awesome stuff next week because we're seeing Black Panther. Um, we actually had the Atlanta premiere last night, um, but we're all going to see it, I think, Monday or Tuesday afternoon. So we'll we'll have that review for the next podcast. And um, just so you guys know, the Olympics start this Friday or today, if you're listening to our podcast when it releases. Um, so the next two weeks will be filled with um, awesome winter Olympic goodness. It's the, the best Olympics of the Olympics. Mm. Debatable. Uh, you like summer better? I like summer. Oh, I like, I I was, like winter. I was a runner, so well, I like I, the track and field stuff. I can understand that. That's uh, I was a skater, so naturally I like all of the skating stuff. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's always a fun time when it's the Olympics. So we'll talk a little bit about that next week and the opening ceremonies. And then, of course, we'll have um, a couple of interviews from Black Lightning. So um, until then, um, we do want to share with you. Uh, we'd love for you guys to leave us a review on SoundCloud, iTunes, social media, wherever you want to. And to encourage you to do so, we would like to share with you a clip of what Zach Braff thinks of our podcast. <laughs> Hi, this is Zach Braff. And Matt Tarsus. And you're listening to the Atlas Podcast. And it's really good. <laughs> so there you go. There's Zach, Zach Braff's <laughs> review of our podcast. <laughs> yes. I don't, I don't know if there's ever been a more perfect audio clip from an interview. I was so thrilled that he said that. Um, that was that, amazing. That's good. That goes hand in hand with how he lived. He exceeded our expectations. He him. did. The fact he that did. He did, they did that. Amazing. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, anyways, all of that being said, um, we will talk to you guys next week. Um, thank you guys for listening. Again, my name is Emma Loggins, editor in chief at fanbolt.com. And I'm Matt Rodriguez, the owner and chief editor of shakefire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney of last one to leave the theater.com and atlcw.tv. And I hope to never see another 50 shades movie ever again. Ha, ha, ha.